So tonight we're going to look at how to find pleasure in ourselves. Thank you. It is very cold, yes. That would be good if it was hot outside. So our, our Sanskrit terms, Atmani Trusyati. Trusya means to be satisfied. And Rati, Rati is, is intense love, actually. Rati is the wife of, of Cupid, very intense love. And Atma means the self. So this is from the Bhagavad Gita, how to really, how to be in love with ourselves, huh? <laughs> how to find great satisfaction in ourselves. So we can ask, do, do we like ourselves? And do you, you like yourself? Oh, very good. Uh, you know, how much do we really like ourselves? And more than anything? Well, I don't know. I mean, are we really satisfied with our body? I mean, I can see everyone here is very attractive. Slovenian people, I think they're the most beautiful. But still, when you look in the mirror, do you say, Perfect! Anybody here say perfect? Sometimes, huh? <laughs> so the body is generally, it's at least sometimes, the body is embarrassing, huh? Body is embarrassing. It may not look the way we want it to look. It may not behave the way we want it to behave. And we... Uh, do so many things, our hair, our skin, our clothes, to try to make the body nicer. And of course, as the body gets older, <laughs> it gets less nice. So if we're trying to just love ourself as the body, that may be very difficult. And then the other question is, are we satisfied with our mind? So would we take all of the thoughts we had today and publish them? <laughs> Everything we thought in one day and I don't think so. Very yes, very scary idea. Even our closest friends, our family, we probably would not want them to see and they would not want to see everything that we have thought <laughs> in the last uh, day or two. So our mind also, it's very hard to just love the mind. It's very hard to love the mind. And we make efforts to try to improve ourselves. All right, we read books, we take courses, we exercise, we have diets. We do so many things so that we can make ourselves better. Huh? But I think it seems for most of us that we have our ideal self. And our ideal self is somewhere up there. And the self I have to deal with every day is here. And it often seems for most of us that there is this big gap between who I am on an everyday basis and who I would really like to be, the ideal form of myself, no matter how many ways I have of trying to improve myself and how often I try to be the best form of myself. It's very difficult. Babies are fine. It's diff He's fine. It's fine. You don't have to leave. It's fine. Fine. Anybody was disturbed? No. As long as he's not screaming. If he starts screaming, then you have to leave. But if he's not screaming. So probably in 30 years, that will be me over there. So please be kind. Yes. Prabhupada said, all glories to the devotees includes the children. Uh, there is no religious society in the history of the world that has prospered without children. 
If there was some religious society where everybody was celibate, that society died very soon. Uh, there has to be has to be children. So we should be very welcoming. Prabhupada said we welcome even the first day babies to the class. But if they're screaming, they have to leave. But if they're not, if they're just making little happy baby noises, that's that's fine. So why is it so difficult? You know, we may decide every day, okay, I, I'm going to be like this. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And every day there's some disappointment. So it's, it's very natural to want to like ourselves. That's a very natural thing. There's nothing. It's, it's not only is there nothing wrong with it, but it is. It's normal. To be happy with yourself, to like ourselves, but why is it so difficult? Why why do we struggle so much with really just liking ourselves? So perhaps the reason is that we're trying to like something that's not really ourselves. So here we have this lady. She's uh, polishing the cage. She's cleaning the cage, and she's not feeding the little bird inside. And she's just taking care of the cage. And in the same way, uh, we are not this body or this mind. The body is a machine. The mind is also a machine. And we, the real self, are different from the body or the mind. So Krishna nicely explains this in the Bhagavad Gita, where he says, Na jayate miyate va kadachit nayam bhutva bhavitava nabhuya ajo nitya sasvato yam purano na hanyate hanyamane shrire. Na jayate, jayate means be born, miyate, dying, that ajo, unborn, nitya, eternal, sasvato, also means eternal, very old purana, the body. He's saying when the body dies, the soul does not die. That we, the real self, we are never born, we never die, we are eternal. Krishna also says that we cannot be harmed by anything. We cannot be harmed by fire, by wind, by water. And that is the real self that is giving energy, vitality, awareness to the body and the mind. Now, this real self is wonderful. And this real self is very likable. <laughs> the real self is very likable. Right? The body is not really likable. If you take the elements of the body if you have beautiful skin, but if you just see some skin, you know, ugh. Or if you have beautiful hair. I was once in an airport with some other devotees, and there was some advertisement for some hair something. And it was some woman with this beautiful hair going, with her hair. And the men who were in the group there start looking at the floor. You know, they didn't want to see this woman waving her hair. But I thought, if you just see some hair... Right? Not very beautiful. But the soul, the self, is actually very lovable. So here are some of the qualities of the real self. So some of the qualities of the real self. So the real self has a spiritual form. The real self has a spiritual form, has a spiritual body. Just like sometimes you read about people having out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences, you've heard? Yes? So they're on the surgery table, the operating table, and then they they float above their body and they're at the ceiling and they're looking down and they're seeing their body. How do they see their body? The eyes are in the body. How are they seeing? Ah. They're in the mental body. That means the mental body has eyes. And people in this state, they explain that in the mental body, they can see 360 degrees. That means these gross eyes, they are restricting 
the mental eyes. And then beyond the mental body is the spiritual body. The reason that this body has hand and nose, because I have a spiritual form. And this spiritual form is very beautiful. And it's all auspicious. It's very pleasing, full of light, very strong. There's no question of disease or old age, always youthful. Speaking language wonderfully in many languages, always full of truth. Very intelligent and learned, actually a genius and clever. Expert in everything. Full of gratitude. Self-controlled, forgiving. Self-satisfied. Very kind. Great hero, full of compassion and gentleness. Controlled by love and powerful and very attractive and opulent. These are our qualities. These are our qualities. There are other lists also of the qualities of the soul. This is from Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. There's also the 26 qualities of the devotees and other lists of what is the qualities of the soul. So just see how wonderful we are. Why are we so wonderful? As Krishna explains in the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Kshetra Mamchapimam Vidhi Sarvik Kshetra Shibharata Kshetra Kshetra Gayor Gyanam Yataj Gyanam Mama. So this Kshetra, this field, this means the body. Body's like a field. Like you put seeds in the field and bring certain fruit and vegetables. So we have our desires and our actions we do in this body that yields karmic results. So there's the knower of the field, that's us. We know our own body. And then there's the super self. We are the self. There is a super self. Like if you are renting a flat, there is also the owner of the flat. So it is not just we, the soul, but also in the body, there is the super self, the super soul. And Krishna says, Mamai Vamso Jiva Loke, Jiva Bhuta Sanatana. He said, each of us as a spiritual being, we are part of Krishna. That's why we have all these wonderful qualities. Huh? We have all these wonderful qualities because we are part of Krishna, who is so wonderful. And the problem is mana shastra indriyani prakriti stani karshuti. Karshuti means struggling very hard. Mana means the mind. And indriya means the senses. So because we are prakriti stan, because we are in this place of illusion, therefore we struggle hard with the senses and the mind. But we are part of God. We are part of God. And... And the super self is just glorious. The super self is full of everything wonderful and opulent and beautiful and compassionate and heroic and adventurous and, and kind. And we're part of him. We're part of him. So we're each individuals, but we also are godly. So the problem is that we can't see our real self. That's the problem. But when we try to love ourselves, we're seeing the body or we're seeing the mind. And the body and the mind are not very lovable. <laughs> and so when we're trying to love ourselves, we get frustrated because we're trying to love the false self. So we can't see who we are. Why? Because it's like the mirror of our consciousness is covered with dirt. It's covered with dirt of what we call upadis. Upadi is, I think I'm a this, I think I'm a that. I think I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm Russian, I'm Slovenian, I'm Croatian, I'm Greek, I'm American, I'm Indian. You know, I'm, I'm like this, I'm like that, I'm very liberal, I'm very conservative. You know, we have all these ideas, and these are all just coverings on this, this mirror that keep us from seeing our real self. So when we see our real self, Krishna says, we become so happy. Krishna says, when we see ourself, 
we get boundless transcendental happiness. Boundless. Realize through transcendental senses. We have transcendental senses. We have spiritual senses. We have a spiritual eye, as I was saying before. Spiritual ear, spiritual nose, spiritual hand. And with those senses, when we see ourselves, we feel so happy, Krishna says. It's boundless. When we have happiness for the false self, for the body and the mind, is it boundless? We have boundless happiness. If you do something that makes you really happy, you know, eating some pizza while you watch your favorite sports game or whatever makes you happy, walking in the mountains by a flowing stream or being with your beloved partner or whatever makes us happy, is that boundless? Is it boundless? When you eat the pizza, are all your senses satisfied by the pizza? No. No. It's limited. And then the experience is limited. So I've eaten wonderful pizzas, but now it's gone. I can remember. I remember, yes, I ate a pizza. But I can't experience it now, yes? I I can't. I can remember I walked in the mountains by the flowing stream and the birds calling and it was so peace. But I can't re-experience it. The experience is gone. It has a boundary. So the ex- even when you have the experience, there's some boundary. It doesn't engage all of your senses completely, incredibly, totally fulfilled. It just doesn't. And then that partial fulfillment is over. But we are so wonderful. We, the self, are so wonderful. When we try to get happiness through the false self of the body and mind, we have this limited in quality Limited in quantity, limited in time, happiness. When we just see, Krishna here is saying, you just see the real self. Just that, you get unlimited happiness. Unlimited in quality, unlimited in quantity, unlimited in time. Just to see the self. What to speak of to act on the spiritual platform. Hmm. So sounds good, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. We're all that wonderful. Huh. How do we find ourselves? Good question, huh? So the main way to find ourselves is to reconnect with our source. Because the reason we're so wonderful is that we're part of Krishna, who is really wonderful. I mean, if we're so wonderful, we're just a little teeny, teeny, tiny part of Krishna. So just imagine how wonderful Krishna is. And as soon as we relink with our source, then we experience ourself. Just like Srila Prabhupada says, when you go in the sunshine, you see the sun and you see yourself. So bhakti yoga, yoga means to link, and bhakti means love and devotion. So we reconnect with our source in love and devotion. In one sense, in one sense, we are never disconnected from Krishna. That's not possible. But we imagine we're disconnected. And what we need to do is realize the connection that's already there. Now this is really amazing. If what I've said so far isn't already amazing enough, this is even more amazing. How do we reconnect with our source and find our real self? We use the false self. Huh? How do we, what? what? I can use my false self to reconnect with the source and see my real self? Wow. So why does that work? Well, first of all, you have to start where you are. It's one of my favorite things to say, and it's very important. One has to start where one is. That seems so obvious and intuitive, but a lot of us don't, just don't get that. 
we want to start someplace else. <laughs> I want to immediately see my real self, but I'm starting with just seeing the body and the mind. So I need to use that body and that mind to see my real self, because that's the present consciousness. And why can I do that? Because this body and this mind are also Krishna's spiritual energy ultimately. Although you can say it's his material energy, because everything that comes from Krishna is, from Krishna's perspective, spiritual. When I use this material energy in the service of the spirit, as explained nicely in Bhagavad Gita 4.24, it acts spiritually. Isn't that nice? This energy of illusion is also Krishna's energy. Krishna says, my energy, my energy that is giving you this illusion that you are the body and the mind. Ah, it's Krishna's energy. If it's Krishna's energy, I can also use it to find Krishna. So we're going to look at how to link with Krishna with the body, with the mind, and with our speech, which is, of course, connected to body and mind. We're going to start with speech. How do we connect with our source to realize ourselves with speech? So, of course, I'm sure we're all familiar with the Vedic mantra, Om Karad Pranava Om. And, of course, we in the Hare Krishna movement, we don't usually just Om. Sometimes. But generally we don't just sit around om, om, om. <laughs> But we do chant uh, Omkara in many of our mantras, our mantras for Srila Prabhupada. We chant, right? The mantra Om, we say, before reading the Shastra, we chant Om Namura Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So many of our mantras, we say this point of Om. And in the Omkara, uh, I explain this in the last seminar, so if you were here a couple hours ago, I'm going to bore you by repeating this. Please excuse me. Uh, in this Ankara, our Acharya Jiva Goswami explains that the letter O is made up of two letters, A and U. So in Sanskrit, you never have thank you two vowels together. Just like in English, when you put two vowels together, they make a new sound. Right? You have E-A, it makes a sound E, like cream. You don't say cream. They blend to become E. Of course, it's not very logical. It's not that E, 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 becomes E. <laughs> but in Sanskrit, the sounds A and U, when you blend them, you get A, becomes O. So this A is Krishna. Krishna says that in the Bhagavad Gita. He says, I am the letter A. Of course, we write that with the Roman letter A. So you might think, if you look at the translation, that Krishna is saying, I'm the letter A. He's not saying, I'm the letter A. In Sanskrit, A is a different letter. Um, But he says, I'm the sound A. And A is what you make if you don't use your lips or your tongue or your teeth. You can try it. Just make the sound ah. Uh. So Krishna says he's the sound ah. Uh, that's the beginning of all sounds. And then Jiva Goswami says that Radharani, Krishna's feminine energy, is the letter U. And ah uh, U makes O. And Jiva Goswami says the Anushwara, the U, um, is all of us. So when one chants this um, uh, it is my connection with the absolute truth as masculine and feminine. And then many of you may be familiar with the Gayatri Mantra. So one can also connect with our source through this Gayatri Mantra. In our Hare Krishna movement, the Gayatri Mantra is chanted only within the mind by those who have received initiation into this mantra. So there are some yoga groups that sing this mantra out loud. Um, Perhaps some of you are familiar uh, we also say this mantra, but only certain people and silently. But this Gayatri mantra also connects us with our source. 
And then, of course, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Uh, we in the Hare Krishna movement are famous for the Hare Krishna Mantra. And in the Hare Krishna Mantra, like in Om, we have Krishna and Rama, the Absolute Truth, as masculine, Hare, Absolute Truth, as feminine. And as it is in the vocative sense, that is the sense of speaking to, so then we are also there. So this is a union of ourselves with the absolute truth and joining the masculine and feminine and thereby experiencing this boundless happiness of connecting with our source. And this mantra can be chanted uh, on beads for personal meditation quietly or with singing and dancing and musical instruments. And then how do we develop in this chanting is explained by Krishna himself in the 11th canto. He explains, it's like if you want to make a fire by rubbing wood together. So today we don't do that, right? We just have a match or a lighter. (laughs) Uh, But they used to make fire by rubbing wood. So first you're rubbing and you're working really hard. And what do you get? Smoke. And what else? Not spark yet. Heat. You get smoke and heat in the beginning. So when one first is connecting with our source to realize ourselves through the sound, Omkara, Gayatri Mantra, Hare Krishna Mantra. So first it's hard work. It is. It's like you're making a fire. And there will even be some smoke. Smoke means you will see the real nature of illusion. And for one who is attached to illusion, to see the real nature of illusion is a little unpleasant, although necessary. (laughs) One cannot get rid of illusion without seeing its naked form. But one will also get heat. So one will see the naked form of material desires and one will also start to see Krishna and the real self. That is the heat. One will get some spiritual experience. And then as you're rubbing and you have this heat, what comes? Sparks. Sparks. So these sparks, they are really glimpses of the actual self. Hmm. That's exciting. So I think most of us, we probably haven't started fires rubbing wood. But who here has ever cleaned a really dirty pot? Anybody here ever cleaned a really dirty pot? Okay. So one time I was heating up some milk, and a friend came to my door with an emergency, and I went to help my friend, and I forgot that I had milk on the stove. (sighs) and I came back to my flat and it was full of smoke and there was this big layer of burnt in the bottom of my pot and I really liked that pot I think I kept that pot for like 30 years I really liked that pot and so I started scrubbing it I think I worked at it every day a little bit for one month to get that clean Right, so first you're just kind of scrubbing, but then you start seeing a little bit of the silver, huh? Right? So first there's this big layer of black, blah, and then you're scrubbing, and some little bit of the silver shows through it, and then you start feeling excited, huh? There's really a pot under all that. So as we're connecting with the Supreme Lord through Omkara, Gayatri, Hare Krishna Mantra, and of course we have other mantras, Panchatattva Mantra, there it becomes this little spark when you start to see the self. And it's so exciting. So then what do you have to do? What does Krishna say you have to do? After you get the spark, you have to, what does he say? Add ghee. You have to add ghee. So once you see the sparks, you don't just want to go, Woo, there's a spark. Oops, gone. <laughs> no, when there's a spark... You want to take ghee and pour it on the spark. So what is this ghee? This ghee means to associate, to spend time with other spiritual practitioners who have a more blazing fire and to really be hearing 
about the glories of Krishna and to really be meditating, to be meditating on Krishna's form and qualities and pastimes. And when one does that, and the fire starts to blaze. Now this blazing fire, what does this mean? It means that spiritual desires start to appear in the heart. Ah, real spiritual desires for loving service start to appear in the heart. And then these spiritual desires, they burn up all the material designations, just like you get the fire from the wood, but the fire destroys the very wood. We talked about how we're using the mind and body to realize the self beyond the mind and the body, but by doing it in this process, the material aspects of the mind and the body dissolve. Now, in addition to chanting mantras, one also uses speech, just like we're doing now, in discussing philosophy, studying the scriptures, talking about Krishna. Okay, so that's speech. And now we're going to go to the mind. So Krishna explains how we can use the mind to connect with our source. This is just a partial list here. Krishna has lists in the Bhagavad Gita, 7th chapter, ninth chapter. What are the other chapters? 7th, ninth, two more. 10! And the other one? No. 15. 7, 9, 10, 15 in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna gives lists as to how we can meditate on him within this world. So here you see some of them. Right? The taste of water. This means any liquid. And in fact, any pleasure we get in this world is connected with liquid, right? Our eyes have liquid, our ears have wax, our nose has mucus, our skin has oil. Any of our sensory pleasure is connected with liquid. And that is Krishna. The light of the sun, we have a little light here still coming from the sun in the window. So why don't we take a moment and meditate on that. Can we all notice that light? That is Krishna. Actually, Krishna also said he's the light in all luminous objects. So even this stream, the light coming from the stream. Can we take a moment with our mind? That is Krishna. Heat. So do we have some heat in our body? Yes? Otherwise we're dead? Take a moment and really feel the heat in your body. That is Krishna. Hmm. Our ability. So all of us here have the ability to be sitting. Some people can't sit. We have the ability to be sitting, to be thinking, to be seeing, to be hearing. That's Krishna. Here's some more lists. Krishna is the master, the witness, the most dear friend, the father of the universe the healing herb, whatever sacrifice we do. And here Krishna says we can meditate on him whatever is the best. So of all water, he's the ocean. Lightning, time, shark, the spring that we're going to get soon, right? So we can meditate on Krishna as the creator and the maintainer of everything in the world. And when we get this vision of Krishna as the light of the sun, the light of the moon, the heat and fire, the taste and water, the fragrance from the earth, the flower-bearing spring, our abilities, the wind, in that way we use our mind to meditate on Krishna. And then uh, we also have a mental attitude of enthusiasm, patience, and confidence. Right? So in spiritual life, we become very enthusiastic. Yes, I am going to find myself and experience the boundless, transcendental happiness of finding myself. But also patience, because not just enthusiasm. Yes, I'm going to do it right now this minute. (laughs) 
and not just patience. Uh, someday I'll realize myself. <laughs> Both enthusiasm and patience. And confidence. We get confidence by reading the scriptures, by associating with saintly persons. And of course, uh, those also on higher levels can be meditating directly on Krishna's name, form, qualities, and pastimes. And how do we use our body to realize ourself? First, to understand this basic principle. Sarvagatandana nitya yagya pratistitam. We talked about this last class also in relationship to sex desire. That if you want to find God, you have to do acts of sacrifice. The body is meant to engage in acts of sacrifice. That is where real joy is. Materialistic people, very grossly materialistic people, try to get joy without any sacrifice. That is not possible. All joy is found through sacrifice. To use our bodies in act of sacrifice for the pleasure of Krishna. Joyful, loving sacrifice. And as Krishna says, for the beginner in yoga, one should engage in activities. So whatever activities we're doing at our job, for our family, in the university, wherever we are, whatever activities we're doing, we do that to please Krishna. We do that for Krishna's pleasure. Right? That we just meditate on that Krishna is there. Is God everywhere? Is God everywhere? Is He here? Is He in our heart? Can He see what we're doing? So act in such a way that He will smile. Oh, did I scare Him? Okay. Ouch. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay? Alright. Alright. I didn't do that? Okay. So we always want, we want to act in such a way that Krishna will smile. Just like sometimes we're doing something, but we're not really trying to do that thing. We're trying to impress somebody else who's watching, huh? <laughs> so everything we do should be like that. Oh, Krishna's watching. Oh, I'm sorry. Life is hard. Huh. So Krishna's watching. Will Krishna be pleased with what I'm doing? Will Krishna be pleased with how I'm treating that person? Will Krishna be pleased with with what I'm looking at? Will Krishna be pleased with what I'm thinking at, thinking about? Will, will what I'm doing make Krishna happy? How do we know what makes Krishna happy? So he explains very nicely in the twelfth chapter, Bhagavad Gita, thirteen through twenty. And one who is not envious, but is a kind friend to all living entities, who does not think himself a proprietor, who is free from false ego, who is equal in both happiness and distress, fame and infamy, heat and cold, honor and dishonor. Uh, he for whom no one is put into difficulty, and who is not disturbed by anyone. So these are the kind of things that please Krishna, who is equal to friends and enemies. And everything we're doing with our body, we should be thinking, am I doing this in a way that pleases Krishna? That Krishna will look at me and smile. And very particularly, of course, we can offer our food to Krishna. So, offering food, no meat, fish, eggs, onions or garlic, and cooking with love for Krishna, and then saying, Krishna, you eat first. We can also use, of course, this is our body and mind, Engage in studying the scriptures right? and in meditating on the scriptures and learning the scriptures. We can also surrender to a spiritual master who will give us specific individual guidance as to how to realize ourselves. So, now we have used our speech, our mind, and our body. Jai Shishi Panchatapha, Shishi Gornitai. To connect with our source and realize ourself. So what will we realize? We will realize our relationship with Krishna. So some have a relationship of peacefulness. And just like in this world, there are some people who are just meditating on someone. Some have a relationship of being a servant. 
There's a reflection in this world of serving others. Some have a relationship as a friend, just like in this world we have friends. Some have a relationship as Krishna's parent, like in this world we serve our children. And some as Krishna's beloved, just like in this world we have our romantic relationships. And, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> hi Krishna. So, in this, yes. So in this world, these relationships, they're not fully satisfying, but all these relationships exist in their perfect form in Krishna. So when we realize our real self, we start to realize, oh, I love Krishna in this way, or I love Krishna in this way. This is the, the particular way, because realizing ourselves, we're very individual. And each of us have our particular function and our particular relationship with Krishna. And we realize our eternal place. We have an eternal home and eternal friends and family. And even Lord Baras says, furniture. <laughs> uh, we have everything that's fully conscious and fully spiritual. And as we realize ourself, we realize our eternal place. And eventually we enter into that eternal place as perfected beings. So thank you very much. We can have the lights. So, we have any time for questions? Anybody have any questions, comments? Yes. Can I post? Um, I do upload some of my presentations to ISKCON Desire Tree. So um, I put all my... Some classes I don't record, but I put most of my classes are on Iskand Desire Tree. If you go to Iskand Desire Tree Audio, Iskand Mataji's, or Mima, you'll find my classes, and at least some of these presentations are there. They don't always post everything I give them, but some of them are there. And I'm happy if if you want to give me like a flash drive or a hard drive, I'll give you everything I have, no problem. I mean, don't wait until a half an hour before I'm getting on the plane. Sometimes people do that. One person even said to me, I'll meet you at the airport. I said, no, forget it. <laughs> so, but if you want anything, you know, if you, if you give me enough notice, okay, and give me a flash drive or hard drive without viruses on it, please. And I'm happy to share with you everything I have without any problem. Is there anything else? Yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Yes. Yes. You still forget when you drink water. Uh-huh. So what can we do to remember? Uh-huh. Well, it's it's nice that in the Bhakti Vasamrita Sindhu, Rupa Goswami says that we should when should we remember Krishna? Always. He says always. Well, this is a little bit of a problem for most of us. And in the 12th chapter, I have another presentation on the 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. On the 12th chapter in, cha- in verse 8, Krishna also says this, always think of me with love. Now, if we're using that process to always think of Krishna, then according to Bhaktivinoda Thakur, we're at the stage of spontaneous practice, Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. But one may not be able to think of Krishna always. One may keep forgetting. So if one is not at the point of thinking of Krishna always, whether in drinking water or looking at the deity, I mean, you say you may forget when drinking water. Many of us forget while we're looking at the deities. 
And while we're chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, please engage me in your service. And oh no, I've got dirt on my shoe. You know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing that we'll forget Krishna while chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, while looking at the deities. I am sure that many of you sitting in this class had at least 10 or 20 seconds of not focusing on the class. Probably nobody did that, but some of you <laughs> might have done that. That you were just thinking, oh, what time is it? When is the prasadam going to be served? And I had a fight with my daughter this morning, and I'm going to have to go home and deal with that. And I have an exam tomorrow, and I haven't paid my car payment on time, and so many things. Right? So then what do you do if you can't think of Krishna all the time? You know what we can think about all the time? You know why we think about something all the time or someone all the time? Because we love them. When you love somebody or something, you think about it all the time. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But if any of you have ever been in love, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been in love, that's right. Then you think about that person you love all the time. It doesn't matter whether you're in a chemistry class <laughs> or you're brushing your teeth or you're driving your car. You think about the person you love. And that also is true, right, when you have a baby? Right? So when the baby's first born, you think about that baby all the time. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? You wake up at 2 in the morning. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? And if you go in the other room... Is he okay? Is he okay? And you keep going to check. And it even happens with things. You know, you buy a new car, and you're thinking, I hope where I parked it is okay. And then you're at a business meeting, and you're thinking about your car. I hope nobody bumps into it. I hope it doesn't get a scratch. Right? You're absorbed in it. So whatever we're attached to, we think about all the time. And this is the secret. We're, we're attached to someone or something that we become convinced will complete us and satisfy us. That's why we become attached. We, we invest our energy in that person or object. So it's explained when Krishna was bound up in Kaliya that the residents of Vrindavan, they almost died because they were invested in Everything was invested in Krishna. Krishna is the source of everything for me. So if Krishna dies, I will have nothing. Like these people when their stocks fail and they jump out the window, you know, because that's their investment. So we meditate on some, someone or something where there's an attachment, and there's an attachment when we have an investment, there's an investment when we are convinced, this is the source of my satisfaction, this is the source of meeting my needs. So... To get to the point of always thinking about Krishna, if you can't do 12-8, always think about Krishna, whoop, next step is called, or one step down, 12-9, practice always thinking about Krishna. Abhyas yoga. Abhyas means to repeat. To repeat. And Vishnu Chakravati Thakur in Bhakti Vasamrita Sindhu commenting, on the Rupa Goswami says, always think of Krishna, he says, at least once in a day. At least every day. At least you have a time. Right now I'm going to think of Krishna. And of course, we have, Srila Prabhupada has established a morning program. A morning program, we're going to worship the deities, we're going to sit and chant Japa. Right? For those who are serious, at least 16 rounds, that's hour and a half, two hours. Then we're going to hear the Bhagavatam. I mean, if you do the whole temple morning program, it's about four hours. Not everybody can do that if you have a job or, or something like that. But at least like an hour every day. Hour, two hours every day. I'm going to chant. I'm going to hear. This is going to be my time to meditate on Krishna. And then repeating. Repeating. Abhyas Yoga. So Abhyas Yoga is also called Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti. I don't yet have this attachment. I don't yet have the attachment. I just heard, wow, if I were to see myself, I have boundless transcendental happiness and I want it. So, but, but there's not really yet an attachment. 
You know, I've just become convinced by hearing from the scriptures or by hearing from the saintly person. So I practice. Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti means, begins with thinking of Krishna. It's, it's, it's mostly internal and the external things we do are to help us think of Krishna. So you practice. Now at first you won't think of Krishna very much. When you first start chanting, and you'll think of Krishna maybe a minute or two a day. But you celebrate that. This is really important. Do not focus on all the times you drink water and you forget Krishna. Forget about that you forgot about Krishna. Focus on when did I drink water and remember Krishna. How many of my, how much of my chanting time was I focused on Krishna? Because Prabhupada says this process is like a child learning to walk. How many of you have seen a child learning to walk? How many of you have seen a child learning how to walk? Okay, when children learn how to walk, do they lament their failures or celebrate their successes? What do they do? They celebrate their successes. Do they have very many successes in the beginning? No. In the beginning, they are standing up for two seconds. And they get all excited, right? (laughs) And then they try again. And everybody else gets excited. The parents call up their aunties and uncles and grand... Oh, she stood up for two seconds, right? And every time they stand up, they celebrate. And everybody else celebrates... And the baby and the family, they all ignore all of the times they're not standing up. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody's meditating. You know, you don't see, the father doesn't say to the mother, this child's never going to learn how to walk. (laughs) Look at that. 90% of the time, they're just falling on the floor. Nobody says this. Nobody says this. They celebrate what they, so we celebrate our successes in remembering Krishna. So every day we can evaluate how many times when I drank water did I remember Krishna? How many times when I saw the sun did I remember Krishna? When I ate, how many times did I meditate? Krishna is a fire of digestion. During my japa, how much was I meditating? Even if it was two minutes, celebrate two minutes. And then try to push it next day two and a half minutes. And keep celebrating and keep practicing. Oh, I haven't remembered Krishna for the last hour. Okay, let me remember Krishna now. Okay, Krishna's my ability, my ability to move my hand. That is Krishna. Krishna joins with the air of life. That's Krishna. My ability to see, that's Krishna. The light, that's Krishna. Okay. And then you forget again. Oh, now I forgot again. Okay, okay. Where is Krishna? <laughs> and just... Uh, don't bother about what you forget. Just keep abhyas yoga. You keep practicing, practicing. And what is the result of abhyas yoga? Icha, desire. What happens as we keep practicing to remember Krishna because he's the all-attractive, right? So it's like the breaking the fire. There becomes a spark of desire. And then you pour ghee on it. And as that desire increases, it becomes easier and easier to remember Krishna. And pretty soon, you can't bear to forget Krishna. And then you come to Bhagavad Gita 12.8. Then if you say, well, I can't even do that. I can't even <laughs> practice. Yeah, it is depressing, isn't it? If someone says, I can't even practice to remember Krishna. All right, then Krishna Karmani. Then don't try to remember Krishna. Just do some work for Krishna. But that's not yet Sadhana Bhakti. So at least do some work for Krishna, clean the temple, give some money to the deities, you know, do, do something for Krishna. But that's, that's not Sadhana Bhakti. So our practices, we, we just, we keep practicing and practicing and practicing. And just like the child who walks, walking is natural. And because walking is natural, if you practice enough, you will walk. So we should have the, the confidence and the faith that if I keep practicing thinking of Krishna, there will at one point be a blazing fire. One should start to feel the heat and one should start to see the sparks. If you're not feeling the heat and seeing the sparks, then you got to work at maybe one's committing offenses or something like that. Right? And we, we can also, I think it's also very important in, in each of us for our lives, 
that we have to examine very honestly and very individually what kinds of situations and people and circumstances really help us think of Krishna and which sort of circumstances just drive Krishna away from our consciousness. We really need to be careful about this. And I found even certain activities in the Hare Krishna movement just don't fit me. Maybe they fit somebody else. It's not that there's something wrong with those activities, but they may not fit me. And sometimes as soon as I do those sorts of services, then Krishna's gone. <laughs> so, and other things I do, Krishna's just there. So one has to also have some introspection and work with some uh, elders and to help understand, you know, what's... And that may change. That may change. The, the kind of services where really Krishna's there for you may be very different at one point in your advancement and another point in your advancement. What one accepts at one point, one may reject at another point or vice versa depending on one's advancement. And then, of course, ultimately, it's also very important to hear. I mean, one way I find that's very, very important for me to remember Krishna at all, ever, is I have to hear. And, and hearing repeatedly and repeatedly how am I going to remember that Krishna is the taste of water if I never am reminded that Krishna is the taste of water? How will I remember Krishna's pastimes if I'm not reading and hearing Krishna's pastimes? So therefore, Srila Prabhupada has translated so many books. So that's a long answer. I hope that's sufficient. Is that all right? Anybody else? Yes. Okay, this question. Ooh. Ooh. So we periodically get this question. How do I think of Krishna during Japa? We're hurt, we try, we're just supposed to hear. Okay. One time, one person said to Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada, what do I do with my mind when I chant? And Prabhupada said, just chant and hear what is the question of mine. So he said that one time to one person. What did Srila Prabhupada say in his lectures, in his letters, and in his purports over and over and over and over? He said, chanting Hare Krishna means you make a diamond throne for Krishna in your heart. You bathe him with Ganga and Jamuna water. You dress him in costly ornaments. He says, you imagine. Prabhupada uses the word imagine. And then he said, but it is not false. It is real. And Krishna accepts. He says, so chanting Hare Krishna means, chanting Hare Krishna means. He said, so if you chant Hare Krishna and you always think of Krishna, then wherever you go will be a holy place. Another place Prabhupada says, as soon as you chant Hare Krishna, you should remember how Krishna is killing the demons and the cowherd boys are clapping, or you remember Krishna's pastime, Krishna's instructions in the Bhagavad Gita. He said, otherwise, why are you reading this Krishna book? He said, do not just chant mechanically and think of nonsense or you will all be useless. Prabhupada would also say, and if you want, you can email me, I'll send you, I collect these quotes. And Prabhupada also said, just like you are seeing the deity now, so what is the difficulty when you are chanting to think of the deity? And you'll find in the Bhagavatam, whenever there are instructions on meditation, the instructions are always chanting a mantra and meditating on the form of the Lord. So this should be natural. It should be natural. It's, this boy who asked this question, it's like if I said, Majjana Lila, when I'm with you and I talk to you, what should I be thinking about? You see how silly this question is? If I ask this question, when I'm talking to you, what should I be thinking about? This means I don't know anything about you. I don't have any relationship. So this boy is asking this question, Prabhupada, when I'm chanting, what should I do with my mind? 
Oh, for you, you just chant in here. There's uh, another place where Prabhupada says, when you chant, you should feel the presence, immediately you should feel the presence of Krishna and remember Krishna's instructions in the Bhagavad Gita. If you can't do that, then just try to hear the mantra. So, when we first come to Krishna consciousness, we don't know anything about Krishna. And therefore, we cannot think about Krishna because we don't know anything about Krishna. So, you just chant and hear. But as we learn about Krishna, naturally we should think about Krishna. Naturally. It shouldn't have to be something forced. Naturally. Oh, Hare Krishna, immediately. One should think about Krishna. Just like if I talk to you, I think about you, I look at you, I think about you. That's natural. be kind of strange if I just didn't think about you or look at you while I talk to you. You know, that's a little peculiar. So that may be if I don't know you. Maybe if we're a very beginner. Is that okay? I mean, if we're supposed to think about Krishna all the time, it's not think about Krishna all the time except when you're chanting. Be very strange, yes? Krishna doesn't say manmana bhava madbhakto. Except when you're chanting, then don't think of me. You're calling for Krishna. You know? Hare Krishna. So Krishna comes? Yes? You call for me? No, go away. <laughs> Poor Krishna. That is our process. Our process is thinking about Krishna. That's our process. That's the essence of, of bhakti. Sadhana bhakti. The essence is to be absorbed in Krishna. Anybody else? If someone tells you don't think about Krishna while you chant, just smile. You don't have to argue with him, just smile. Okay, thank you. Yes? How quickly can you transcend the big suffering? Any kind of sufferings. You want to do it quickly? Yeah, me too. I had a big monster banging on my head this morning. So how quickly can you transcend the big sufferings, huh? Do you really want to know the answer to this question? Are you sure you want to know the answer? Are you sure? Does everyone else want to know the answer to this question? You sure now? I'm warning you. Our, our sufferings are the results of our attachments. So if we want to hold on to our attachment but get rid of the suffering, it won't work. Ever. If you want to get rid of the suffering, you have to get rid of the attachment. Generally, what we pray to Krishna is let me keep my attachment and get rid of the suffering. And that's why it doesn't work. We have to be willing to get rid of our attachments, which means we have to be willing to see our attachments and acknowledge them How long does that take depends entirely on us. It could take a few gazillion lifetimes and it could take five minutes. That depends on us. Generally, we take quite a long time to be willing to see our attachments. Generally. Our material attachments are what is causing our suffering entirely. It's something like a person who has a pet Boa constrictor, you know, or a pet tiger or something like that. And you know, you read these stories sometimes, right? Man doesn't show up to work, and they they go to the flat and they find this big boa constrictor, and inside is the man. You read these stories sometimes. (laughs) But if you go to the man and you say you have a pet boa constrictor, yeah, I know. No, but it's dangerous. No. <laughs> it's going to eat you. Oh, it's my pet. 
For most of us, it takes a long time to see that we're keeping pet tigers and boa constrictors. I don't know why it takes so long. Yes, I know why it takes so long, but it takes so long because we're afraid and we're proud. Would you like to? Would you like it to go faster? You're not sure, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. If you want it to go faster, then you have to say with with all sincerity. You have to really mean it. Don't fake this, please. Don't fake this, please. Please, you'll suffer, so please don't fake this. But one has to be able to go to Krishna with all sincerity and say, Krishna, show me the truth about myself. Show me the truth. And when you show me the truth, I'll believe it and I'll act on it. And you have to mean that. Are we really ready to say, my dear Krishna, show me the truth? There's no suffering in the truth. The truth is joyful and free from suffering. We're afraid to come into the light. We have some reason to be afraid. Because part of the truth that we'll see is we'll see what fools we are. And we'll see that we're deep. I have done that. Anybody can learn it. You can learn it in about a half an hour. It's almost impossible to stay on that platform because we're attached. But you can learn through, uh, Prabhupada says this in teachings of Lord Kapila, page 115, that you can situate your mind in such a way that you won't feel pain even from a surgical operation. It is entirely possible to situate your mind mechanically, temporarily, in a position where you will not feel any pain. But then neither will you be able to be in the illusion of enjoying the world. In such a situation, you put yourself as a neutral observer. That is possible. That you could do instantly. But that doesn't really solve the problem. But it will give you some idea of what transcendence detachment is. Yes, sir. And this is it. This is the last How can you remember Krishna when you're sleeping? I've been asking this question for a long time. I've been asking this question for a long time. Every night before I go to sleep, and I, I meditate on Krishna, and I pray to dream about Krishna, and sometimes I'll listen to pastimes and classes before I go to sleep, and sometimes I remember Krishna when I'm sleeping. 